Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, everyone. How are we all doing tonight? Nope, I don't think anyone is on yet. So we'll just wait one second. Hello. Hi, it's Amina. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, I'm really good. <sighs> this is Tom. Hey, Tom. Uh, We're just... uh um, waiting on a couple more people. I don't think Stephen's going to be on tonight. Oh, is this, a, is this his birthday? It is. Let me just shoot him a text. Yeah, I think he's going to be on Saturday. Oh, did you talk to him? Yeah, I talked to him the other day. Oh, okay. But yeah, I think he's out for his birthday dinner. So I think he's going to plan on being on Saturday. I'm sending him a happy birthday text as you speak. Happy birthday, love. Beautiful. Okay. Um, so we have Tom and Amina, and I think Kelly was going to be on the call too. Uh, let me just reach out to her real quick, and then we'll get started. Okay, so um, I thought we would open up tonight with uh, Tom leading us in an opening prayer uh, and meditation. So, uh, Tom, um, I give you the stage. And uh, Amina and I and Kelly's 
going to be calling in. We'll get comfortable and let you do your thing. Okay. Well, let's close our eyes and center ourselves in that all-knowing presence of God, knowing that this, this is who we are. This is one aspect. This is all God is all of us. We are a part of God. And so grateful I am to be a part of this group where two or more gathered. There God is. We are in the presence. The Christ presence is in the presence with all of us. And I simply say, thank you, God. Thank you for the wonderful opportunity to come and share with one another, to learn, to open up, to be, and to remember our true selves, our true identities. And I offer up anything unlike this presence, anything unlike that all-knowingness of God within us. I offer up any fears, any doubts, any health issues, any sense of lack or limitation, anything of not getting along with one another, or somebody else, anything that is unlike our true nature. And I declare the peace and love within each of us. I declare perfect perfect health and wholeness, perfect abundant wealth and prosperity, perfect loving relationships manifesting in each and every one of us. And I know I know that this perfect love that everything is in divine order and working out as it should that we are perfect, whole, and complete as we are, and that as we are remembering that this is who we are, we are sharing fully and freely with one another, knowing that this is what we are. And I declare within each and every one of us in that silence, in that meditative state, that perfect peace within us. And I just know for each and every one of us about the gratitude that we share with one another, that overwhelming, that Effervescent flowing of gratitude. 
that everything is perfect, whole, and complete now. As I release this to Divine Spirit, knowing that it is all perfect and complete as it is, I simply say thank you. I let it go and simply say, so it is, so I let it be. Amen. 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 So, hmm, yummy. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, the sounds of the city all around me. So I'd like to um, open up the floor and uh, just let us do a check-in. How uh, how are we doing? And how are we doing with our spiritual practice? How does it feel? Are there any challenges that have been coming up for you in any uh, area of your practice or life? And how are you working through them? Um, the floor. Well, why don't we start with Tom? How are you? Everything is growing pretty good. It's going smoothly. I don't really have anything offhand that that is posing any challenges to me. I haven't won the lottery yet, and Publishers Clearinghouse hasn't found my door, but other than that, I'm okay. You know, it's just like uh, I keep in the practice, I keep in, up in my readings, and as I've been doing my readings and stuff and doing that meditation, it seems like coming up for me is is doing a lot of forgiveness and just releasing. And just releasing the past and releasing the present that for me I guess it's just that simply just letting go and just doing what I need to do. And just kind of like just being, going in the flow, basically. Mm-hmm. Does anyone have any questions or any intuitive nudges to ask Tom? No, Tom, I think that you got off the hook. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. So, Tom, talk to me a little bit about about money and abundance. Since I've known you, it's been a 
topic of conversation and something that you uh, often refer to. You, I hear, I've heard you refer many times to sort of this, um, you know, a million-dollar goal sort of. Um, so how are you – tell us about your journey a little bit with money and abundance and where are you with it today? Okay. I mean, I keep affirming all of this, and I know that I'm always divinely protected and divinely prospered. And it's just coming to that realization that basically that, uh, yeah, that is mine. I'm, I see money and uh, as a symbol of prosperity, as a symbol. It's all spiritual. And I keep saying this over and over again, that this is just one aspect of it, uh, you know, of of money. Of, uh, it's just a symbol of that spirit flowing in and out freely. And as I've basically, I've been doing it as I've, uh, I haven't been doing it as much lately, but I've been doing it where, I'll take a dollar bill or a five dollar bill or whatever, and I'll just uh, give it to somebody, you know, a homeless person. Uh, sometimes, if I nobody asks me, sometimes I just simply have been known to just drop it on the ground purposely. And uh, a few weeks ago, I did this in the elevator going into dialysis. I just dropped in uh, about five dollars on the ground. And the next thing I knew before I even got seated, uh, one of the other technicians came in and asked me if I had dropped it and if I had taken that elevator, and I had to reply, yes, I did. And so he he said, well, uh, did you drop this? Well, I had to admit that I did. And so I took a, a sign from the universe is, you know, that is mine. So I tithed on that again because that was coming back to me. I mean, I, I didn't expect how quickly the universe does operate, but it did. But just knowing, you know, that to me, I guess money is also more than anything else a symbol of freedom, that I can come and go as I, as I please, which I do, when and where, and how I want to, which I'm working on, but also knowing that sometimes I got to get out there and do myself. I've been working, too, starting uh, having to renew my life license at work, and so I have to, I did study, I did pass four hours test last week uh, on that course, and I got another 20 hours to do before end of August before I have to re- have it renewed, and that's as part of my job. But just doing the work and actually getting out there, and now I need to get in with one of the other RVPs who can actually show me the ropes and stuff. Even though I've been there for the last over two years, it's like I nobody has really shown me. I've never been on any of the um, 
out there in the field doing stuff, you know, being trained. So I'm having to ask some of the other RVPs to help show me, which they would very much would be very willing to do, and and just do it. And you know, because some of them, uh, uh, like the, back in April, this was just one month where the top ten made anywhere from eighty-four thousand dollars down to eight thousand dollars in just that one month. And what I want to do is just forgive myself and clear out all my debts and being able to open up to that flow of the universe, and not only just with money but with also with loving relationships, prosperity, of, uh, which includes health, and I'm working on my health even more so, even if I'm not always watching what the doctor tells me to do. And I am on much better relationships with the doctor than I was before. I'm not uh, being so antagonistic, I guess, for lack of a better word, uh, against the doctor, he's only doing his job to help me, and watching my diet and what I eat, and not just watching me eat it either, even though that's a good part of it, but also being able to open up. So money and prosperity are basically symbols. And that's all they are, but they're still as much spirit flowing in and through me as any part of my life. And just being able to get clear on everything and just, I guess I've always been somewhat of a contrarian. And I'm a late bloomer. Mom said I, I started talking and walking late. I was about two years old before I started talking and walking. And I've always been late for everything, except for each meal, like the song says. But, you know, it's just, it's just being, uh, being trying to really figure out what a, it is I'm supposed to be doing, and I know I'm supposed to be out there teaching. I've always been a teacher of some sort. My aunt told me at six years old, she called me Father Tom because I was always preaching and stuff, and I think I've never let that up. It's always been a part of who I was, and just knowing that I'm in here for a reason and I'm doing these classes and I'm pushing through it, for a reason, and just really getting off my butt and just actually doing the work like I'm supposed to be doing. And this is the way it's uh, what I've been doing. Beautiful. Beautiful. So <clears throat> now does anybody have anything they'd like to share with Tom? Has anything come up or any thoughts that you might like to share? Any intuitive nudges or insights? I had a question for Tom um, because, you know, like Jesse said, I, I have heard you talking about abundance and prosperity and money 
for as long as I've known you too. And um, you said a couple of times in your last share that it's it's just a symbol. But do you feel that it's? A, 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 do you feel that if you don't have outward display of what most people would consider financial abundance, does that feel that you're not spiritually successful? In a way, I guess that probably is true, even though I kind of, I've grown up, you know, where thinking, well, you know, it wasn't spiritual to be rich, or that, and that I've looked down on people growing up as, uh, that were rich as being somewhat less spiritual, and I'm realizing that, yeah, that's, uh, that's been a part of it, and I've been trying to realize, you know, that maybe, Maybe to a, a, a large degree, that may have been be uh, true and still be true. That somehow I'm not as spiritual as somebody else, even though I know intellectually that that's not so. Mm-hmm. That somehow not having that outer manifestation of it makes me less than something. Probably had made me feel like. I wasn't worthy of it, that I wasn't worthy of, of, uh, of, uh, of being spiritual. Mm. And I know somehow that's not really true, but, you know, that feeling is still, I guess, uh, I would say to a large degree in back of it, yes. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Great insight. And what must happen before we can experience the outpicturing of true abundance and prosperity? What must happen first? We must not only believe it intellectually, we must believe it within our hearts. We must, we must, that has to be through the subconscious mind and knowing that the truth is not only just on the intellectual level, but knowing the truth deep within every fiber of our being. And how can we gauge our knowingness? By the demonstration. Yes, the demonstration, that those, that's definitely the fruits of it. But what's something even uh, a simple way? And it's open to everybody. What's, how can we gauge where we are with it. We have to feel it. Yep, there it is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. In order to experience abundance, we must feel abundant and believe that we are worthy of it. And I've been doing affirmations of of, uh, opening up, you know, just uh, to that feeling of abundance. I've been asking uh, saying, telling God, you know, I am open and willing to feel abundance. Mm. That's it, baby. That's it. That's exactly right, Tom. Mm. Perfect. Well, beautiful, Tom. Thank you so much for opening us up in prayer and sharing with us. Uh, it's really beautiful to hear you um, share. And I, I'm knowing that you are, you know, you are on the path. And, you know, Tom said something uh, in the show that was uh, an important piece of information when he said that he's going to enroll someone at his work to show him the ropes. And, you know, I find that it is so helpful when we align with people that are doing what we'd like to do or that, you know, people that have got what we want, (laughs) whether it be an essence and energy or something like that, you know, like align with those people who are doing what you'd like to do. Align with them. Support them. Allow them to lift you up. Share with you so that you can expand your consciousness and become in alignment with them. And that's such a much more powerful place than comparing yourself or resenting someone for doing what you'd like to do. And so many times when we resent people in their career, it's just because they have the balls to do what we'd like to do. <laughs> They're doing it. Um, I know that I've had that experience many times, and there's no joy in it. So, wonderful, cool. So, um, Kelly, how about you? Where are you at? What's happening with you? Um, I think it's been weird. Like I've had, I had like a couple months where I just felt like I really, like mentally and emotionally, checked out. I don't even know what it was. I just didn't feel um present with myself at all. Um, and I was it was interesting because during that time I was still trying to do my practice and. I didn't feel like I got any clarity on what was going on, but it's like now I feel like mentally I'm in a lot better place, um, emotionally I'm in a lot better place, and yet in terms of my practice, like I've just, the last few weeks, actually, the last, yeah, last few weeks especially, it's just felt like a chore. Um, I mean, you and I have talked about this, it's part of it's this class that we're in, I'm just like, yeah, it, it just, yeah, it, it's, I'm trying to get back to a point of, like, I want to do this, not just, like, oh, my God, I have to do this because I said I'd do it, um, <laughs> which is kind of how I feel most days when I'm, like, oh, I got to go read my Course in Miracles because my partner's calling or, you know, I got to go try to do my practice, and it's just been, it's interesting because I would say, like, I'm feeling a lot better within myself than I was, like, a month ago, but at the same time, like, my practice is not anywhere what I want it to be, and it's like I miss it, but at the same time, I'm just kind of burned out, for lack of a better word, just feeling just tired of it. 
So I'm still trudging, but it's not it's not feeling fun right now. That'd be probably the most honest answer. Yes, well, uh, it's interesting. Pay attention to this because I think you're the first person to ever have this experience. So uh, (laughs) to document, (laughs) just in case someone else ever feels burnt out on their practice. (laughs) You know, guys, we're coming from, um, you know, in our lineage, we have, uh, you know, Venerable Tahani Oahu, who is a, you know, uh, Cherokee, Frickin' chief, and there's so much ritual uh, in their practice. And then Jennifer, who has prides herself almost uh, uh, on her practice, on her deep practice. And, um, you know, uh, I think that I, one, I just want to express my gratitude for Kelly and being brave enough to share that because in some circles it's might seem faux pas, but I don't think it does us any justice not to just speak freely because this is it, you know. This is um, our process. We are, I know everyone on this call, you know, we're um, householders in the sense of we're, you know, living our lives and doing practice and we're devout, we're very devoted to the evolution of our consciousness, but there's also other commitments we have and um, uh, financially and socially and uh, personally, you know, uh, in the familial sense. And, um, yeah, you know, A Course in Miracles says not to make, to, to avoid ritual, you know, um, because, and what it's suggesting there is not to create a false idol out of your sit-down time, your practice. Um, because, you know, what would happen if, like you said, you know, if there's a day you can't do your practice, does that mean you can't experience joy and freedom that day or clarity? Um, and it's definitely a balance. But, you know, what what I invite everyone to be really mindful of, because this is something that I work with constantly, is the idea of... Um, honoring where you are, but also cultivating enough loving discipline to make sure that you are doing what is necessary to support yourself at the same time. And um, there's a balance because it's easy to talk yourself out of doing what is necessary to support you versus, you know, I mean, and, and the other thing that Kelly brought up a wonderful point is she feels a little burnt out. You know, I mean, this is important to really think about because I've been contemplating a lot lately. Like, listen, the monastic lifestyle does not mean that you're going to achieve enlightenment any faster than, than someone who's living uh, that is, has the life of a householder. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people that use their deep practice as a way to separate themselves from other people as well. Um, Some people are even bullies a bit about or um, 
Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Elitists in their practice, you know? Um, there are other people who th- who believe that their practice is the best way to achieve enlightenment or whatever. And, you know, to quote Venerable Dahani again, like, never, you, there's no need to ever compare two paths because we are going to be drawn to the path that will best serve us. And I've gone through a lot of guilt and shame because I couldn't stick with specific practices, but then I realized I wasn't really drawn to them. You know, it, it didn't resonate with me as much as other ones did. And so I found what worked for me. And that goes back to the conversation of spiritual sovereignty. We must find what works for us. And we must also find the balance and the amount. And will that evolve over time? Of course. And it might evolve into doing less. Less might become more for you. Um, and also the acknowledgement that our life is our practice. Now, Kelly may not be sitting down on a pillow, you know, with her legs crossed and incense burning but uh, as much, but I guarantee that she's stopping and observing her thinking or she's, you know, uh, an inquiry about, you know, if she's not feeling well or she's not whatevering, you know. She's checking in with herself. She's practicing kindness. She's being of service. And so her life really has evolved into her practice. Your life is your practice once you're conscious of it. I think Amina and I were talking about something similar as well, of like, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is definitely a conversation for the practitioners. How do you uh, discern loving discipline, having, uh, you know, evoking enough discipline to support you in continuing your evolutionary journey, and taking care of yourself. And where is the line between laziness and, um, you know, moderation? Where do you think the line is? Or, Kelly, I'll ask you, like, where do you, how do you, um, or how are you learning to discern that for yourself? Yeah, and I think that's what I'm playing with right now because I know that what I'm doing currently, I don't know if I'd say it's laziness per se, but it's definitely not the amount that I feel feel would support me, you know. I mean, I feel like, yeah, yeah, and you're right. Like, I'm constantly looking at my thinking. I'm constantly doing that. But I do feel like sitting down and being quiet is really good for me, you know. It's something I really love doing, and I'm not. And so... You know, I, I had kind of minimized that previously and just kind of had certain things I did each day. Um, and I know, I mean, yeah, like I know because I don't feel good right now with, with my practice. Um, it's it's not like, a, oh, I'm, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm feeling guilt or I'm feeling shame. It's just, and, and I miss it. I miss spending, spending time with spirit and just being quiet. Um but what that's going to look like in a month from now, I don't know. It's a matter of me kind of, you know, getting the discipline in there too and just saying, you know, I need to, even if I'm dreading it, kind of trying to figure out what, how I can play with that. And I, I don't really have an answer as to what that's going to 
work out to her look like right now. It's a matter of just tinkering with it and, and seeing what feels better than what it feels like right now. May I ask, uh, you know, if you care to share, what are you doing uh, instead of the practice? Like, what is taking, like, what are you either, maybe you're distracting yourself with something, or you're getting wrapped up in something, or you're just avoiding by doing something? Is there anything specific that comes to mind? Um, I mean, like, like, in part, it's just I just am not making time for it in general. Um, but like, especially like my morning, I would always, for the last several months in the morning, that was the first thing I did when I woke up. And recently, even it's, it, a lot of times it was, it was a recorded meditation. And a lot of times, like, even if I turn that on, I'm like, oh my God, I forgot, I need to check an email. I need to do this. I need to da 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 da, you know, and I just start doing my to-do list in my head. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I'm 10 minutes in meditation. I haven't listened to a word of it because I'm, you know looking and looking around for other things to do. Um, and then at evening, I'm just not making time for it. I'm just, I'm just not making time when I'm home. Um, I'm just working on other things and then I'm like, Oh, it's bedtime. There you have it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I will watch, like I will z- turn on the computer and just zone out on, sometimes I'll find myself just like, looking through Facebook for like a half an hour, not looking at anything in particular. And like, yeah. what could possibly be on this website that could possibly serve me? <laughs> There's absolutely, and oftentimes I'll get in there and just start judging people. <laughs> and yeah, or, or Netflix or television or something like that. Go ahead. Yeah, no, it's definitely, zone, like especially in the morning, it's stuff I'm, a lot of it's just zoning out, wasting time. And sometimes it's even just like logging on to all my slot machine games so I can get my free tokens for the day or something. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, I'm supposed to be doing my meditation. Why am I worried about whether my virtual pet is fed or not at the moment? <laughs> okay, first of all, that's hilarious. <laughs> um, I just need to point that out. I had no idea. <laughs> but... You know, it's a good, um, it is a great uh, example too, guys, and I really believe this, um, simplify, right? Just simplify, simplify, simplify. How can we, what, I mean, honestly, like think about how great you feel when you go through your closet and take out clothes you don't wear anymore and give them to charity, how much, how spacious you feel when you move the furniture around. I mean, the same thing is available when we, you know, I mean, God forbid, we close down a Facebook account, you know, we let, we trim the fat there, or we turn off the television, or we, you know, something or other. You know what, I think that, uh, you know what I think might be a good day, a good thing to do coming up soon is to take a full day Vipassana. Maybe make that a uh, a challenge for um, for the practitioners to do a full day Vipassana. No television, 
no reading, no writing, a full day of um, just silence and, and meditation in your own home. And just to, you know, because it's good to check in to see, get clarity as to what thoughts are dominating our minds. You know, what are we prioritizing over the only thing that has any true value? (laughs) You know, I laugh at, um, you know, uh, running inspires sometimes because, I now know that running a spiritual community is different than spiritual leadership. <laughs> like running a spiritual community is like running any business. You know, there's just a lot of administrative things to be done. And I, that, you know, I think both Kelly and I were like, I didn't know that's what we wanted to sign up for. But we're doing it gladly because we're able to get to the space of being of service. But that also takes a lot of discipline to align yourself with service. And service is the word of the month. So thanks, Kelly, for opening up that conversation of what are you prioritizing over your spiritual practice. And I think that going back to that conversation, uh, Mark Anthony is teaching on the skinny cow you know, what is your skinny cow? And not necessarily what's preventing you from experiencing abundance, but it has to do with that as well. But what, you know, what are you placing your attention on and giving all of your time to that is not your spiritual practice because the spiritual practice is the cat cow. And oftentimes it's, you know, once we are really in alignment with our spiritual practice, uh, we begin to bear the fruit of that practice and begins to we begin to project it and experience it into our lives. So, but you have to get rid of the skinny cow sometimes. Thank you for sharing, Kelly. Truly. Miss Amina, you're up. What's going on with you? Um, well, I just want to say I appreciate both uh, Tom and Kelly's sharing so much. And, yeah, we have been talking about this a lot um, in terms of the practice and what's the best practice and how much time are we giving it, how much, you know, <clears throat> and just, you know, to be really transparent with Kelly and Tom, you know, I have always had this thing with the Course in Miracles of like being able to live it better than I can study it. And um, I signed up for the Course Club thinking like, oh, this is the year. Thank God we're doing it now. And of course I couldn't do it before. This is the time and I really get it and I'm into it. And then, you know, months go on and I'm like, oh, good Lord, this is a chore and I don't feel like I'm a good partner. And I just want to get off the phone and I'm not giving the attention to it and all of these things. And, you know, I really struggled with should I continue doing the course club or not? And is it being a quitter or is it taking care of myself? And, you know, I was talking to one of my spiritual counseling friends and she said, you know, what would be the most loving thing? 
and I felt into it. And, you know, the lo- most loving thing was to stop doing it and to not judge myself for stopping. And, you know, then it still took a week to, like, really tell Jesse, okay, I'm not doing it anymore, but I feel so much lighter. And, you know, these principles are in my mind, they're in my heart, they're in my consciousness, they're they're part of my life. It's the way I choose to live, it's my belief system. But formally studying it is not serving me right now, it's just not working for me. And so, you know, I don't have to throw out the principles just because I don't want to sit and read the book and talk to somebody for half an hour every day. Um, so that was hugely supportive. And I, I do feel so much better. Um, and I still find myself talking about it all the time. You know, I was talking to somebody on the weekend and I was like, well, of course, miracles, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's in you. It's totally in you. Um, but, you know, that, that idea of prioritizing the practice, and, you know, I had this thought that I would like to do more in the morning because it will set a better foundation for my day. But I'm not really a morning person. And so I'm, you know, in the process of trying to shift to what can I do in the morning that feels supportive that I'm giving myself enough time for and but without trying to be like somebody else, you know, I'm not, I don't want to try to be like Jennifer or try to be like Jesse or try to be like Venerable or whoever, you know, but there's always that temptation, like you say, that comparison. like, And I think it's really great to have a model of, you know, what's possible in a practice and great examples of what support people, but we really do have to find out, you know, what supports us best right now. And Clearly, that is not doing nothing, um, but, you know, just finding a way of even if it's 10 or 15 minutes in the morning and then doing the rest later. You know, when I, um, when Juan was living with me, I did all my practice at night. That was the time I had to myself, and I really loved doing that practice at night, and I'm a night person. And so, you know, just shift, you know, allowing myself to kind of honor my personality and my temperament and what works for me without saying I can only do it at night because I'm, you know, not that it's not possible for me to add this in the morning, but just kind of continuing to find a way until it is a part of the routine that's not negotiable. And I'm not there right now, you know. I will skip it, but, you know, I um, I, I wake up in gratitude and I, I pray in the morning, but... You know, I may not sit there for long periods of time. And that's the other thing. I'm so glad you said, Jesse, that, you know, our life is our practice. And we do walk in the world with the intention of love and the intention of being kind and helpful and of service and losing the judgments and all of those things, letting go of the attachments. This is how we're operating on a daily basis and you know that is really an important part to recognize so you know I feel like that part is there and it can always be better Um, and then it's just a matter of okay how do I for this phase in my life that this is what's going on how do I best support myself and what does that look like And, and not being attached to it but 
Um, but my intention is really to have something a li- with a little more depth and consistency in the morning that isn't negotiable. And whether that's, you know, 10 minutes or half an hour, I don't know yet. But that's that's my goal. Yes, you know, I, I don't have to tell anybody here how valuable it is to take time to just clear your mind each day. And I try to do it before, I mean, I find it very helpful to do before I leave the house. But, you know, I mean, I had to accept, too, that sometimes I leave the house at 5.30 in the morning, waking up at 5 in the morning, which means I have to get up at 4 in the morning, 4.30 in the morning, in order to do what I'd like to do. And sometimes that just feels too challenging. And so I have to find ways to support myself and honor my commitment to, you know, grounding first thing in love while, you know, meeting in the middle and, you know, letting go of this belief that it has to look a certain way and being open to how it is supposed to look, how it's going to look, and it will show me how it's going to look. Thank goodness. Ah. So, yes, go ahead, Amina. I was going to say, you know, the things that work for me is, you know, waking up in gratitude and doing, you know, really just quick and simple prayers when I'm waking up or when I'm getting ready in the shower, in the car. I um, I started listening to um, this kind of playlist of Kundalini yoga music. I listen to that a lot in the morning and when I'm getting ready or in the car. So I'm kind of steeping myself in a prayerful state. Yes, and good. letting that kind of, and that I think a lot of times is it's almost as good as sitting. It's not quite as good as sitting, but you know you are putting yourself in that mode. That's what you're ingesting, you know, and um, starting off the day like that. The one thing that we must do, that we must do as practitioners, guys, we must hand the day over to spirit. Every day, first thing, we must hand our day over to God. Um, And that is just a necessity. Because if we do not hand our day over to God, by default, we'll hand it over to ego. So, um, it's very important that in some way, and that doesn't have to look like a 20-minute sit-down meditation and prayer fest. That can look like before your, heat, your feet touch the floor, just say, God, I give this day to you. Holy Spirit, I give this day to you. I align myself with your thinking. I cut the cords to ego thinking the thoughts of lack, limitation, blame, and shame, and I just give this day to you. Show me what to do. I'm here. I am teachable. I can be led. I am your servant. You show me this day belongs to you. Work through me. Some sort of uh, declaration of your intention to live in love, to wake up, to be a servant. I really think that that is crucially important to do. And then don't forget it. 
<laughs> What's that saying? Like, we can't spend, what is it, like five minutes affirming the truth in the morning and then spend the rest of the day proving it wrong? Yeah. Right? So, you know, developing that discipline, it's not just in your sit-down formal practice, which has its value for sure. But one day, you know, your formal practice is just a tool that will one day become unnecessary when we awaken to whatever it is, the next phase, whatever that is. Tools like gratitude won't be necessary. Tools like forgiveness won't be necessary because we will have transcended it. Those are all tools that are supporting us. And so when we are practicing forgiveness, when we're practicing gratitude in our daily lives, we're in practice. We are using the tools that support us in um, in developing a spiritual practice that really works for us. And these are all in alignment with the our path, the philosophy that we are drawn to. So that's why we use it. And so allow yourself, you know, the space to know that I'm in practice when I'm being grateful. I'm in practice when I'm practicing when I'm uh, willing to forgive. I'm in practice when I am. Um, taking time, a moment to pause before I speak. I'm in practice when I'm observing my thinking, realizing that those thoughts are not true, and then letting them go so I could remember the truth. I'm in practice. But we love to find a way to beat ourselves up, you know. Yeah, but I wasn't actually, I didn't chant for 45 minutes and then read the sutras 100 times and then, you know, OM 20 times in a row, followed by two hours of silent meditation. Okay, no, you didn't, but were you kind? Were you helpful? Were you of service? Were you mindful with your speaking? Just speaking less can be a spiritual practice within itself. I mean, I, these are all things that I really invite you to practice like tomorrow. See how little you can talk. I love see that. If, I mean, honestly, yeah. See I how do talk a lot less. Oh, yeah, my, oh, my God. Yeah, oh, I wish I'm trying to be better. I'm a talker. But, you know, I'm really, like, I really aspire to talk so much less, to observe and not to give uh, and not to offer my thoughts and perspective unless it's asked, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times people that have a, a deep, 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 deep demo- devotional practice are people that have had to work through a lot of demons, you know? They've really had to, like, work their way out of it. And sometimes they require a long practice in order to just be able to do what you do with less of a practice. Everyone's experience will be different. All healing is done on the level of the mind. When we join as one at the level of the mind, miracle is experienced, right? But it's a transference of truth, you know? So, you know, Jennifer really teaches to call in the assistance of our guides and angels and ascended masters. 
But in a way, what, you know, all the guides, angels, and ascended masters all represent aspects of the divine. We often add personality and color to the aspects of the divine so that we can access them and use them. So we develop a relationship with them. And so when she says harness ascended master wisdom, calling your ascended masters and your angels, it's calling in the aspects of the divine that you that we haven't realized yet are active within us, that we are it. We are activating that aspect of the allness which is in us now. But it's easier for us to work with it by calling them angels. Of course, in miracles, I believe, calls angels thoughts of God. Angels and masters from other realms with fifth dimensional potential, you know, with fifth dimensional sight. I mean, we don't even really know what that means. <laughs> we think we do, you know, but really what we're doing is calling that aspect of me that can see in all directions of time and space and knows exactly what will support me the best now in being loving and feeling happy now. So call it an angel, a sin master, call it whatever you need to call it, but just call it, bring it in. And oftentimes all that requires is just pausing, taking a moment of silence, taking a deep breath in, putting your hand on your heart, because that reminds you of your intention to live in love, Deep breath in and then call in whoever you need to call in. My angels, my guys, ascended masters. I work with the sacred flames because that just supports me. That visualization and the practice of calling them forth. I feel an energetic shift within myself and I experience miraculous results as an effect of calling in these healing flames, and yet each of the flames represents an aspect of the divine. But that's just how I work with it. That's how I access it myself. And that's what our spiritual practice is for, it's just to support us in training our minds, aligning with God. No one way is better than another. Some people... Uh, resonate with different teachings. Some will work faster for other people. You know, I feel like some people, you know, have just had longer or more experience in the spiritual realm in past life experiences and just have less stuff to burn off. Who knows? Who knows? And it doesn't matter anyway. No need to compare ourselves or to compare and contrast different belief systems either. There's no, not a lot of joy that comes out of that. There's going to be a lot of intellectual banter, but I'm interested in being happy. I'm interested in living in love. I don't need to engage in another philosophical debate because what is there to debate, really? I'm interested in talking less, loving more, being of service, and getting real clarity in my motivation. Why am I doing this? Can we embody true altruism Can we do it for others? Can we get out of our own needs and desires? Can we expand the vision? That turns me on. I think that's exciting. Let's all take a nice deep breath in. And Tom, why don't you pray us out of this portion of class and we'll take 
After Tom's the prayer, just a quick prayer, Tom. We'll take five minutes. Please don't hang up. Just leave your phone on silence. And then we'll um, come on back, and we're going to just do a little review today of what we've covered so far uh, this quarter. So, um, Tom, take it away. Okay, let's put our hands on our hearts and center ourselves again. So grateful that what we heard today, the sharing from one another, is beautiful, perfect, whole, and complete. And I just know that everything is in divine order, divine light action. As we continue to go forth in our discussion tonight, and just knowing that everything that we put on the table was is what needs to be said or has been said was what we needed to hear and it is all perfect and I share this lovingly, fully and completely and knowing that it is so, so it is, so I let it be. Amen. Amen. All right, it's seven let's meet back here at seven thirty five, guys. Seven thirty five. Have a good break.
All right, so we are back. <sighs> a little minute late, but my husband came home, so I said hello to him. All right, so let us actually take out how to use the science of mind. How to use the science of mind. Okay, so we're actually going to read Law of Mind in Action. But first, let me think. No, let's just read that. Okay, Law of Mind in Action, page nine. And we'll read, uh, the reading order will be me, and then Kelly, then Tom, and then Amina. We'll do a page at a time. Me, Kelly, Tom, Amina. Page nine. Law of Mind in Action. You know what, Jeff? This is Kelly. Skip me for a second because I had my books before we started and they disappeared in the last hour. <laughs> so skip me the first round and I'll hopefully find it. Uh, well, why don't you just go after Amina then? It'll be me, Tom, Amina, and then Kelly. Law of mind in action. Mind takes form through the law of its own being. Law Mind takes form through the law of its own being. This is a law in nature and, like all such laws, must be accepted. Unless one has a deep conviction that there is a principle of mind which operates from thought to thing through a definite law, you would have no principle to demonstrate and no method to use. We cannot separate thoughts from things and hope to demonstrate things through thinking. This is the most subtle thing about mental treatment. One must have a deep conviction that the word is operated on by a spiritual law. The practitioner works with ideas. He theoretically resolves things into thoughts and works in the realm of mind only, with no sense of personal responsibility, because the law is the doer. The practitioner makes his declarations and knows that a power acts on them. He does not put power into the law. He takes it out. The spiritual realization now becomes law, acting independently of any existing circumstances and being able to create new circumstances out of itself. This you must know. The spiritual mind practitioner is in an identical position with any other person who uses the law of nature. Everyone expects to comply with laws if he hopes to use them. The law of mind demands by its very nature that we affirmatively believe in and accept its operation. It would be useless to argue why this is so, just as it would be useless to argue why there is a law of gravitation. These laws exist, and all scientific advance is based on the supposition that any laws of nature will respond to us when we comply with it. When Jesus said that we should believe even before we receive, he was explaining the 
operation of the mental law of cause and effect. If nothing is believed in it, then nothing is acted upon by it. But since there is such a law, and since we are operating believing something, the law will always be operating upon what we believe and the way we believe it. It is not that we introduce a new law, but that we bring the law we are always using under conscious control, whether it be for ourselves or for someone else. A practitioner is one who uses this law for himself and for others. He uses it definitely, consciously, and actively. His experience teaches him that implicit confidence in the law. Okay, his experience teaches him that implicit confidence and faith in the law are the chief requirements for its effective use. The experience of thousands has demonstrated this fact. You want me to read to the end of the paragraph? Um, well, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I must have lost you. Where are you at? I'm on page, the, the top of page 12. Oh, we have a different version then. I right, so you have to have a different version. I've still got like two paragraphs left for Tom. Mm. Uh, okay. Yeah, keep going. Okay, let's see. And we can accept that this is what we would do in dealing with other natural laws and the law of mind in action as a natural law. Go ahead, Amina. The law is set in motion consciously. Its reaction is mechanical and mathematical. In such degree as one sees harmony instead of discord, he will demonstrate this harmony without having to create it. This is of utmost importance. Literally, man creates nothing at all. He merely uses creative forces. His obligation, having discovered the way laws work, is to use them intelligently. The responsibility for what is to take place is always in the law. Therefore, spiritual mind practice calls not only for definitive, for definite attention and active awareness, but equally for a sort of relaxation because of implicit confidence in the law. Quite the reverse to the popular concept of holding thoughts. This calls for thinking them and then loosing them into the law. This only will... The only willpower used in the process, if it could be called willpower, is a determination to keep the thoughts clear, to think about what ought to happen rather than about what ought not to happen, to be actively aware of harmony rather than discord, to believe that good will always overcome evil as light dissipates darkness. There must be a calm confidence in our treatment. It is active but poised, conscious but balanced, definitely directed but not pushed into place. All declarations, all affirmations, 
all denials, all statements made in a treatment are for the sole purpose of clarifying the consciousness of the one who gives it. The treatment for a person is definitely directed for that person, not to him, but for him. Here is one of the main differences between psychology and metaphysics. There is but one mental law of all life. The one who practices spiritual mind healing knows that he is directing it for a definite purpose, but not pushing it out towards that purpose. What the law of mind knows in one place, it knows simultaneously and instantly everywhere. It is equally distributed and everywhere present, and its manifestation appears at the point of our direction. This practice is not mental coercion. It is not mental suggestion. It is mental awareness, a spiritual awareness of the mind. The mind is giving its consent. The mind is endeavoring to see the result already accomplished, to believe that it is already done. Since the law of action is automatic and responds by corresponding or manifests through reflection, we need never wonder whether or not it operates. What we should pay attention to is our own inward awareness, building up an expectancy, increasing faith, stretching consciousness out, as it were, to include more. Everything that is known about the law of mind substantiates the claim that a right state of consciousness can sublimate or transmute a negative state of consciousness. It is necessary that the spiritual mind practitioner Assume authority in his work. His authority is the knowledge that the law enforces itself. In actual practice, when a wrong condition does not seem to change, it may be necessary to resort to a process of gradual conversion of thought from fear into faith. The scientific mind practitioner will not hesitate to do this when it is necessary. He looks upon the process, not as the thing itself, but as a way of arriving. The pathway is not the goal, but it helps him arrive at the goal. If he can do away with the process and instantly arrive at the goal, well and good. If not, he must be willing to use the process until he does arrive. This is what constitutes scientific spiritual mind practice. Most of the results obtained in this field have been arrived at through this process. And one should not condemn it because it does not measure up to his idea of absoluteness. He should be willing to use his technique and follow any process of thought necessary to arrive at the right conclusion. When one assumes the logical argument based on the premise of spiritual perfection presented to the mind of field will produce a definite result, he is making a true statement the meaning of which will be understood when one realizes that the law of mind is merely a mechanical and mathematical reaction to one's thinking. It cannot be said too often that a practitioner treats himself for someone else. Always endeavoring to bring his own consciousness to a spiritual realization about the person he wishes to help. If this were not so, the practitioner would would be handicapped by the thought that his patient might not receive the treatment or that he might refuse to accept it. 
This calls for a calm and abiding trust in the principle one uses and in his ability to use it. One does not have faith in himself as an isolated human being. What he has faith in is the principle. I hope everyone just underlined that and highlighted it. He has faith in himself only as he knows that he is using it correctly and that it will respond. He must have faith in his work or else he would be denying its effectiveness. Spiritual mind practice is the very essence of faith. It is the essence of conviction, an act of assurance, a complete surrender of the will to a willingness to believe, a complete abandonment of thought to the invisible. But the practitioner adds law to his faith and spiritual principles to his religion. He adds a conscious use of the law of mind to his conviction of the presence of spirit. In doing this, he brings the personal to bear on the impersonal, which is principle, while at the same time uniting his consciousness with the peace, the poise, the power, the beauty, and the wisdom which the spirit must be. Just as he knows that the law of the harvest will provide a crop, so he knows that the law of good will execute his word. The law is automatic and self-operative. The practitioner is not using divine mind to overcome a carnal mind. He is using harmonious thought to overcome a discordant mental atmosphere. The basis of his work lies in the assumption that we now that we are now living in a spiritual universe, that the law of our being is the law of mind and action, that there is an exact parallel between thoughts and things. The practitioner must believe that the movement of mind acts as a movement of law. If he states in the treatment that his word is law of elimination to congested condition, he must believe that the congested condition is automatically eliminated through the law of his word. In the mind of the practitioner, there should be no difference between stating this word is a law of elimination and the elimination which should follow such a a statement. For instance, if a practitioner were treating one, if for instance, if a practitioner were treating one whose whole life is confused, he would not deal with the confusion but with the state of consciousness which causes it. He would clear away the thought of confusion and affirm peace. He would realize that law and order, harmony and peace prevail in this man's life. Example, I know that I live in pure spirit. I am one with the perfect whole. Peace and calm surround me and flow through everything I do, say and think. There is a deep quiet at the center of my soul, a perfect poise and equilibrium. My thoughts rest upon everything in peace and joy and in cheerful expectation. I know that, speaking the name of the patient, also lives in pure spirit. At the center of his being is peace, the peace of the spirit and understanding underneath it all the love and the, of the divine presence. As he becomes more con- conscious of this love, all lack and all fear, all that is false, slips away as mist fade in the morning sunshine. 
He sees God in everything, personified in all people, manifest in every event. He is one with deep, abiding peace. As this peace flows through his being, every problem is released. He has an enthusiastic outlook on life, and he permits himself to be guided into complete happiness. The way is made clear before him, and it is filled with joy and harmony. One could not do this if he believed that things are independent of their silent, invisible causes. But if he really believes that the law of mind in action creates situations and conditions, then he will know that through the changing of consciousness, he is at the same time will be changing the condition. In other words, in, uh, he must... Okay. Me now. In, other, in other words, he must believe that causes and conditions are identical. The condition is a reflection of consciousness. The consciousness is the cause which reflects this condition. If one watching this simple process in action, if one watches this simple process in action, he will discover that when treating someone who is surrounded by confusion, if he succeeds in clearing up all thought of confusion in his own mind, the circumstances surrounding the one he is working for will change. The change will be automatic and inevitable. This does not mean that there are secret or occult words which he uses. It means that any state of consciousness consistently maintained will produce a corresponding result. Again, we go back to the proposition that divine principle is a law of mind in action, which may be consciously used while the divine presence is the infinite spirit from whose all light Wisdom and love, one may draw inspiration, guidance, and a sense of certainty. The practitioner performs a dual duty. One part of him is listening to this divine presence. The other is speaking his conviction into action through the law. He must know with certainty that his word is the law of elimination to everything that contradicts the divine presence. Example. Realizing that the infinite spirit within me, which is God, the living spirit almighty, knows me as part of itself, I consciously turn from every thought that can deny my union with with all the presence, all the power, and all the good there is. I know that my word, operating through the great law of life, is the law of my personal experience. I affirm my union with life, with love, with truth, with beauty, and with power. I know everything I do, say, and think is stimulated by divine intelligence, infinite love, and perfect wisdom. Nothing but good can, nothing but good can go from me, and only that which is good can return to me. Can I just finish this? Yeah, go ahead. Calmly, joyfully, peacefully, I place myself in the hands of the divine guidance, knowing I shall be stimulated to think intelligently, to choose wisely, and to act with precision. I rest in complete assurance that all is well with my soul, that all is well with the soul of everyone I contact, 
because God, the living spirit, is over all, in all, and through all. All right. So, the floor is open for five minutes. Discuss. Amina, you start. Me start. Um, that was beautiful. I, I love these examples. I feel like it's um it's so powerful just to, to read the words aloud, you know, to each other and so I am grateful for that. Um, yeah, again it's remembering that we're using a law with conviction and that we are not the ones doing the healing. And that it starts with ourselves. It cannot be said too often that the practitioner treats himself for someone else, always endeavoring to bring his own consciousness to a spiritual realization about the person he wishes to help. And, you know, to me, that's just further evidence of what we were talking about before, about how important it is for us to have clear minds, to have practices that support us, to constantly be walking in an awareness of love, to be constantly cultivating that practice of being clear and powerful and affirmative and loving and non-judgmental and knowing and trusting and being in faith. I mean, this is where it all comes together. Tom? I love the prayer treatments that he uses, the examples, uh, and because of the consciousness in back of it, you know, that that law already is in effect. He's just stating, directing it to wherever it needs to be directed to and for the person that he is directing it for. And to me that is so wonderful because you're seeing the consciousness of the mind of the the man that wrote it. You know, Ernest Holmes had this consciousness and he used it and uh, he teaches it in such a way that is, to me is very simplistic and, uh, but very, very, very powerful. And the way he does it and his examples that he uses are to me very powerful and this is the way, you know, it is, you emulate the way that he does it, and you're personifying, personifying it to the situation that you're treating for, and using that as as making it sure that your consciousness is what you're directing it to, and doing it whatever it takes to get your own consciousness in alignment with the mind and directing it to where it needs to go. Lovely. Really, truly spot on. Kelly? Uh, Yeah, I I like the examples, but for me, I think I really, the parts where he's just talking, particularly pages 12 and 13, I know we keep going back over this, but it just jumped out at me again. Um, I think because I've just been really observing like how I really like things to be predictable, and I'm yeah you know, like if 
if you like QuickBooks, if two plus two doesn't equal four, it really aggravates me. Or I get aggravated. It doesn't aggravate me, but I get aggravated at it. And so it's just kind of, it really jumped out at me on pages 12 and 13 so much. Or it was just talking about, you know, that the whole process of, you know, it's, it's, it, yeah, it says it's, it's automatic, it's self operative, it's mathematical. That, you know, if we are working at the level of the mind and we are, you know, have faith and confidence and belief that, you know, the universe is with us and that, you know, everything's working out for our divine order, then, you know, it's going to follow. There's no like, oh, gee, I can change my, change my thoughts, change my, you know, believe all this. And yet, you know, no, it's not going to come out for divine order. I'm going to be screwed in the end. Yeah, that's not how it works. It's very definitive. And to me, that's because I tend to be so linear oriented, I think that really just really it was almost comforting today for me just to be like, okay, you know, two plus two is going to equal four. Maybe I'm not going to see it immediately and maybe I'm not going to believe it's going to work out. But when I do move into that space, I can have confidence that, um, that it is an issue of, you know, that the cause and the effect are together, that they're they're not separate, you know, it's not a willy-nilly universe. So. That should be, uh, you should make a bumper sticker out of that, Kelly. It's not a willy-nilly, it's not a willy-nilly universe. Thanks. <laughs> That'll be our new, our yeah. new logo for our T-shirts. <laughs> it's not a willy-nilly universe. Um, this, I really feel like this book is important because this book is could be sort of like the practitioner's employee handbook. It it clearly lays out your job as a spiritual practitioner, which is to understand that there is a law operating this universe that we are all mind. It's all mind. Our thoughts create our experiences. Uh, know this. Know it and just speak from a place of knowing. We speak from a place of conviction because we just know it to be true. No matter how much people... Now, this is sort of like Jesus in the desert being tempted from the devil, right? People will come with their stories and try to convince you why it's awful or it's different for them. And we listen compassionately, and then we go back to affirm the truth. We live in a loving universe. The allness of God is active and ready to support and work through me, and I know that it is working through Kelly now. We just know it. We affirm it. I love the process of elimination. We are eliminating these beliefs in attack, in lack, in disease. We are letting it go and we are allowing the truth to come to the surface and express itself freely through us and as us. And so it is. Amen, amen, amen. Any other thoughts on this section?
All right, beautiful. So you're going to have a little homework uh, this week, and the homework is to write a short mind treatment. So, in other words, write out the G-O-D-S prayer. And it can be about anything. I'm going to invite you to allow it to be personal for yourself, as if you're giving yourself a spiritual mind treatment. Gratitude, offer, declare, share. And let's have an emphasis on the D, the O and the D, because the O, the offering, is what they reference to as far as elimination. Offering or eliminating false ideas, beliefs, and we're declaring, we are affirming, we are knowing the truth. Gratitude, offer, declare, share. Okay? And so that will be due before your next class. Actually, no. You know what you're going to do? You're going to post it in the Facebook group. That's even better. Cool. Post it in the Facebook group. You have one week. But I'm not on Facebook. Well, you got to figure that out, Tom. got to figure it out. Let's find either get yourself a Facebook account or find a creative way to get your pair on there. I'm sure that if you know that there's a solution that can unfold easily for you, it will. Yes. Any other thoughts? You said short, Jesse? Yeah, short. I mean, you can make it as long as you want. I'm just saying short so you don't stress out, but yeah. It's not stressful. Okay, cool. Yeah. Take it to the level of just... Keep it. Keep the dial on stress-free. This is my kind of homework. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So going to our other text, chapters one through three on spiritual economics. Chapter one. Um. Would uh, Amina, would you read page 17, beginning in the middle of the second paragraph? Um, beginning with the sentence, the word universe. And would you read it to um, the end of the paragraph? The, the end of the first paragraph on page 18. So, um, the word universe to the end of the first paragraph on 18? Yep. Okay, I'm just really locating room for better light here. Um, Okay. The word universe, in its literal meaning, is the whole body of things, the basic unity of all life. Actually, we are implying a larger thought of God. The words God and universe can be used interchangeably, 
referring to the whole of things or allness, which is present in all and through all. In the universal realm in which you live and have being, the whole of God is present at every point in space at the same time. This is a fantastic concept. Read those words again. The whole of God is present at every point in space at the same time. Take time to meditate on this great idea. In other words, God doesn't come and go. God doesn't capriciously move substance from God's supply up there to fill your need down here. Nor does God answer prayer in some special kind of coming forth. God is always present, totally present, as a presence. You may be praying for healing, but the truth is the whole of God's life is present as a healing presence. When you know this, you are beginning to understand what spiritual healing is all about. You may be, you may be praying for increased supply, but the whole of God's substance is present as a prospering presence. Know this, and you are on the way to achieving prosperity. This concept may challenge you to rethink the whole practice of prayer and to appreciate the simple logic of the psalmist who said, Be still and know that I am God. Why is that powerful in me, that that phrase, Be still and know I am God? Because um, it is not just reminding us, it's commanding us to sit in silence. It's commanding us to recognize that we will know the presence of God when we still ourselves and let it in. What is the solution to any problem ever? God. Handing it over? Yeah, the remembrance, the remembrance of truth. Remembering the truth, yeah. You know, any financial trouble you have, challenges you have, I should say, any relationship challenges you have, any work challenges you have, any physical challenges you have, the solution is always to love yourself. Love, love, love. Go to love. Go to love. Be still. And think about that. So be still. He's, it, it's, a, it's an invitation to still your thinking. Be still. And know I am God. In the stillness, without all of the insanity of our day-to-day thinking, you know, the craziness, in, the, in that stillness is the solution. How good is that? That's good, and it's so perfect with what we were talking about before, about, you know, not making the time to still ourselves and quiet our minds. Still and know I am God. Mm, I love it. It is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that whole section that you had me read was just fantastic. Oh, yeah, that was all, yeah, that's <laughs> all. Uh, he says, say those words again. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, okay, so let's continue that. Uh, Kelly, um, please, chapter 19, I mean, page 19, beginning, uh, middle of the paragraph, with a person who keeps, and read uh, through all the way down through this through the first paragraph of 20. Okay, so stopping like right in the middle of 20? Yep. Got it. Okay, so 19 says, a person who keeps conscious that the divine flow is ever centered within one has faith that limitless substance will find expression through him or her in the form of creative ideas, ingenuity, the will to work, and a security of work opportunities. It could be said that when you realize your relationship to the dynamic universe, you are forever in a field where you can drill for oil and bring in a gusher every time. In the immortal sermon of on the mount, Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither rot, moth, nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He was talking about the focus of our consciousness, not just what we do, but what we think and feel, how we visualize our relationship with things. Many are the heartaches of the person who bases his or her whole security on things of the world. Inflation, recessions, and high costs are among the many moths and rust that consume and the thieves that break through and steal. Peaceful and secure is the person whose real treasure is always the affluence of God's substance. He or she always feels rich, no matter how the market fluctuates or what the balance sheet shows. And the great thing is that this feeling will prompt him or her always to make right, right and wise decisions in the management of his or her affairs. The mind flourishes with creative ideas. The hands tingle with ingenuity. Opportunities unfold and blessings abound. All because of the feeling of abundance that came first. What came first? The the thinking. The, The what? The thinking. All because the blink of abundance that came first? Read that last sentence again. Start with the mind. Uh-huh. The mind flourishes with creative ideas. The hands tingle with ingenuity. Opportunities unfold, and blessings abound. All because of the oh, there is all because of the feeling of abundance that came first. There we go. What the must feeling we feel? Of abundance came first. Yes. What must we feel in order to actualize world peace, Ellie? Peaceful. Mm-hmm. And again, what was great about this section is it just reminds us again. Experience true abundance by going within. Seek ye first the kingdom. But don't do it because we, see, we just get motivated by the wrong shit. We get distracted by the fruit on the tree. But it's the feelings of abundance that come as a result of going within that expresses the fruit. And then you begin to realize the fruit doesn't mean anything anyway. It can be fun, but it's not 
value. It doesn't have true value. It comes and it goes. The rats and the moths eat it. The people come in and they steal it. It's, it's not permanent. What's permanent is the knowingness, the peacefulness, the joyfulness. And so, and that's what creates that anyway. You know, that's what expresses and demonstrates all these things anyway. Tom, read the last paragraph on page 21. It is a profound realization. But remember, these words do not become true because you affirm them. This is the common confusion about the practice of affirmative prayer, that if you speak the words of the truth over and over, you impress them on the subconscious mind, and thus they become true for you. They do not become true because you affirm them. You affirm them because they are true. Thank you. That is such an important um, distinction to remember. Jesse, did you mute? No, I'm just letting it sink in. Oh, just, just <laughs> pausing for effect. <laughs> on, page tw- that. on page 28, there's one, um, there's a phrase I'd like to read to you. Uh, there's only one way by which you can achieve prosperity. It is to take charge of your mind. You may be looking for some magic formula some new metaphysical cliche that will change things. But if you want to change your life, you will have to alter your thoughts. The whole of infinite substance is present where you are, but you will have to get that awareness into your consciousness by your own discipline and commitment. So if you, if you find yourself responding to life's question, what have you in the house with a plethora of onlys Cut into that flow of negativity and affirm, I am a richly endowed expression of an opulent universe. There's always a sufficiency to do the things I want and need to do. Amen. So what must you change in order to experience prosperity? Everyone all together? You're thinking. I thought. Yes. And what must you blank, what must you feel in order to express abundance? Abundance. Yes. And how is it that you feel abundant? You have to know that you are abundant. Know you're abundant and be still and cultivate that feeling and really feel it. Yes. Chapter 2. On page 34, in the second paragraph, halfway through, it just says this wonderful thing. I would like to read it. However, you live in a world of your consciousness, 
which is the sum total of the thoughts of your mind. And you can control what goes on in your mind. This is not to say that it is easy, but to establish that it is possible. This is a great idea you will encounter again and again on your quest. You are a living magnet, constantly drawing to you the things, the people, and the circumstances which are in accord with your thoughts. In other words, you are where you are in experience, in relationships, even in financial conditions, because of what you are, which is where you are in consciousness. Now, this is not an easy teaching. You may want to reject it and put the book aside. In the Bible, when Jesus began to lay out the hard laws of his teaching, it says, many of his disciples drew back and no longer went about with him. And thus, it has always been. However, if you are willing to accept full responsibility for your life, then even as your level of thought has put you where you are, or at least contributed to it, so by a change of consciousness can you change the experiences of your life. I love that. And I love how it goes back and says that. That's when some of the disciples withdrew from Jesus, when he says, you have to take responsibility for your life. It's because of you, your thought, that your life looks the way it looks. But, oh, my God, we love to find that, that loophole that will make us the victim in any situation or circumstance. But if you are interested to see what your consciousness, where your consciousness lies, just look at your life. It can't not be an outpicturing of your thoughts. I was working with someone who... Uh, was masterful at convincing people that she was always under attack and creating these situations where all these heinous characters would come into her life and attack her and do her wrong and bully her. But I began to realize that's just because she is always on the defense, which really is an act of violence. She believed that she was always being bullied, and so she would manifest wherever she was, she would create the experience of a bully. She would manifest a bully so she could be bullied. But then I realized she bullies people until they will bully her back. She will push them until they react and respond, and thus she creates that self-fulfilling prophecy for herself. Brilliantly, masterful at it. And so I finally was able to support her in seeing playfully. Uh, Chris's sponsor has this thing. He goes, okay, if one person, you see it in one person, all right, maybe it's them. He goes, in two people, eh, time to maybe ask yourself a question. But if three people do it to you, then it's you. <laughs> if you go into a room and you, there are three annoying people, then it's you. No, it's just you. If you get fired from three by three different bosses, it's you. If three different spouses cheat on you, it's you. What is you know what I mean? Now that's obviously it's always you, always, always, always. But still, and yet even in the midst of experiencing the appearance of a bully, the blessing in it, and why the universe is great and why the universe is loving, 
as each bully offers the opportunity to realize there is no bully. Tom, could you read the last paragraph on page 36? However, as concerns prosperity for you, however, as concerns prosperity for you, it is simply a matter of addition or subtraction. By your thinking, you are either adding to your good or you are taking away from it. The law is inexorable. Failure, to lack, failure or lack in your life is simply the result of continuous mi- minusing yourself. Conversely, success and prosperity are the result of constantly plusing yourself. It is wise to take inventory occasionally. Are you dealing in minuses or pluses? That is simple. It is that simple. Your negative thoughts of fear and worry are depleting your good faster than inflation erodes the value of the dollar. And your positive, optimistic thoughts add to your good more dramatically than compound interest increases your bank savings. What do you think about that, Kelly? I think it's pretty darn good. Kelly, would you read the last paragraph, uh, and on page 38, the last paragraph on 38 and the first paragraph on page 39. Actually, the first two paragraphs on page 39. Okay, starting with the, in the metaphysical? Yep. Yep, and then ending right above well-intentioned. Got it. In the metaphysical teaching of prosperity, the idea of demonstration, unfortunately, is often presented in terms of magic and miracles. We hear things like the magic of demonstration and the miracle of answered prayer. There is a suggestion of alchemy, turning things into something else or producing ex... I have no clue what that is. Nihilo? Whatever. Out of nothing. You may recall the wilderness story of Jesus when he was tempted by the devil to turn stones into bread or change spiritual awareness into worldly power. Don't miss the meaning here by imagining an outside tempter him on. The devil is the satanic influence of human consciousness, urging him to try to find shortcuts to personal fortune. Jesus held firm in self-realization and self-control, as he said, Get thee hence, Satan. The important truth is that you are a spiritual being with the allness of infinite mind within you. Whatever your needs may be, the answer is not to get God to give you more through some divine sleight-of-hand process, but rather to uncover and release your own imprisoned splendor. Avoid the temptation to try to work the law, and thus to materialize the process. Get your mind off the idea of making a demonstration in life. Center your awareness on a deeper sense of life, and the demonstration will begin to make you. Yes. It's just everything, everything, everything is coming back to this idea that we are responsible. It is our duty to 
if we're not, if we don't like the situation and circumstances of our life, we've got to change our thinking. Many people have come to spiritual community because they're in a state of rock bottom net. They've just had enough. They can't feel this tired anymore, this uh, unhappy anymore, this lost anymore, this trapped anymore, or there's this intuitive like feeling that there's another way, another approach, something more. And it all comes back to, well, then change your thinking. You change your thinking, you're going to be able to you're going to start to feel a different way. When you start to feel a different way, you begin to experience new things. You attract new things. You become magnetic. Of course, miracles would say you begin to project a happy dream. Things seem freer your way. And it's not coincidence. It's law. And then when we begin to realize it is law, it's impersonal, and it's always, always working, then we can begin to um, utilize it more, work with it, and support others through it. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Any final thoughts for the day? Is anybody is anybody in disagreement with it? Nope. All right, good. I love it. All right, I'm going to take Tom's hand. I will take Amina's hand. I will take Kelly's hand. I'll take Jesse's hand. Great. Well, I'm going to leave in the circle any laziness and anything, any distractions, anything I'm prioritizing over God my peace of mind, and I'm going to pull back loving discipline, loving discipline and gentleness. Tom? And I leave in the circle any fears, any any laziness, anything that is unworthy of me, and I take out of the circle, that full awareness who I am. I'm leaving doubt in the circle and any thoughts of unworthiness or being incomplete. And I am taking out self-love and knowing. Um, I'll leave in the circle any fear or worries about situations and things that are totally not my business. And I will take from the circle clarity on the things that I need to spend my focus on. Beautiful. And Kelly, why don't you pray us out? So we're just so grateful for this night, for the chance to connect with one another, releasing anything that's holding us back from being open, releasing anything that is preventing us from any of our thoughts or bringing up doubt or causing us to not 
not take full responsibility for our thoughts. And we just know that we we are loved and we are loved and that everything is working out in divine order supporting us for our good and that we are open and willing to embrace love. And so we just share the blessings with all for we are one with them. And so it is. So it is. And so it is. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Beautiful, guys. All right. Good review, class. I love you all. Um, Remember, uh, write out that mind treatment, the G-O-D-S prayer for yourself and post it in the Facebook group. I love you guys. Love you. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.